Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. I should actually say guests, plural, but I'll get into that in a moment. The music that you hear in the background is from the wonderful harpist, Martha Gallagher. She started a new project called Just a Moment Music, where every day in your email, you'll receive one minute of beautiful harp music to start your day. I have a wonderful interview with Martha that I can't wait to share with you soon. On to today's episode. So, some of you might know um, I, I work for the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, which takes place every every July uh, in Parsippany, New Jersey. And this year, the festival went completely online. Um, to our surprise, uh, pleasant surprise, uh, we had close to 500 people from around the world show up. So 13 different countries, uh, most of the United States, um, people from different states across the country uh, decided to come to the festival virtually. Um, it was a super positive, um, really great experience. People from around the world getting together, playing music, sharing music, learning, chatting with each other people in Australia thank you thank you for staying up at all hours to, to work from our schedule uh, here on the, the east coast in in the states um, it just was such a wonderful experience we could not have imagined that we would have touched so many people in such a super positive way so for that I am so so grateful and a big thanks to Kathy D'Angelo and Dennis Gormley, um, and Laura, and Kim, and Patch, um, who am I forgetting? Laura, Kim, Patch, Laura, Kim, Patch, Kathy, Dennis, me, that was it. <laughs> that was the six of us who, uh, who put that together. I don't know how we did it, but it was really mainly Kathy and Dennis who uh, did the brunt of the work. So uh, thank you to them. Thank you to all the festival goers and to all the musicians who attended, who um, gave workshops. So uh, anyway, so part of that festival, um, there was a, I was asked to moderate a panel discussion uh, that was on July 17th of 2020. Um, this was a panel discussion at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival on COVID-19 and its impact on therapeutic music. The presenters were Edie Elkin, Dr. Lawrence Furr, Sister Margaret Mary McBride, Jocelyn Oppenmeyer, Karen Peterson, and Mary Stevens. The panelists were generous enough to allow me to share their discussion with you on my podcast, and I was thrilled that Edie Elkin led us in a mindfulness meditation at the end of our discussion. A big topic that we kept returning to was how important it is to take care of yourself and to take the time to recharge, especially in these times when we're all navigating stressful waters. 
we discussed what it's like for therapeutic musicians right now during this global pandemic. And there are many issues such as whether or not musicians are allowed in certain hospitals and care facilities right now. And, and if they are, what are the precautions that professional CTMs, certified music therapists, are taking? We discussed what it's like for therapeutic musicians right now during this global pandemic. And there are many issues such as whether or not musicians are allowed in certain hospitals and care facilities right now. And if they are, uh, what are the precautions that professional CTMs, certified music therapists, are taking? Some musicians are not allowed in certain facilities at the moment, but are using technology to connect with patients and staff. With so many essential workers in hospitals suffering burnout, CTMs have done studies where their music actually calms not only the patients, but the hospital staff, leading to a reduction in attrition, which can save hospitals and other care facilities a lot of money. Each of my panelists have received certification from different programs, and some hold various certifications. They have found that having CTM certification has helped them secure employment, and that during this time, they have found an uptick in enrollment in their programs. They also offer some helpful advice to any CTM who has been furloughed and is, or is looking for work. Many practitioners have worked really hard to create positions and programs, and they do have some very helpful suggestions. Above all, they wanted to let the listener know that it is essential for all of us to take care of ourselves, recharge if we need to, so we can be healthy and help others. So some of the topics we, we talk about were are, you know, what it's like out there. Um, you know, if they're on site, if they're not on site, um, how were they, if they're not on site, how are they providing music virtually? Um, what are the logistics of getting music to patients and coordinating with the staff and the technology and, and privacy concerns? Um, you know, they, look ahead to see what's the future of, of therapeutic music um, and, you know, just ways that we can take care of ourselves and each other. So it's a really caring group of, of people, and I, I hope you enjoy our discussion. So without further ado, here are my wonderful guests. Edie Elkin is founding director of Bedside Harp both a service and educational organization, exclusively college-based from 2003 to 2016, and a member of the National Standards Board of Therapeutic Musicians since 2017. Launched in 2002, Bedside Harp has partnered with and worked at acute care and psychiatric hospitals, life care communities, hospices, rehabs, and cancer centers in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, and has trained nearly 1,000 students from the US, Canada, and Europe to play the harp for their own and others' healing. Throughout the COVID-19 crisis, bedside harp has played only in psychiatric settings. Dr. Lawrence Furr is a certified therapeutic harp practitioner and a certified clinical musician. He is also on the board of advisors for the Medical Musician Initiative. He works for JPS Health Network and Vistas Hospice. 
During the pandemic, Lawrence continues to provide music at Vista's inpatient unit in Baylor Scott and White Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas. At JPS Hospital, Lawrence plays in all departments, including surgery, ICU, emergency, trauma unit, NICU, the county prison hospital, and the psychiatric wing. Lawrence is also director of music and organist at Trinity Lutheran Church in Fort Worth. Lawrence has taught classes for several years at Somerset Folk Harp Festival, Harp Journeys, and Holden Village. Sister Margaret Mary McBride was born and raised in San Francisco, California. She entered the Sisters of Mercy in Burlingame, California in 1968. Sister Margaret received her BSN from the University of San Francisco in 1974 and her master's in public administration from USF in 1995. Sister has spent 46 years in healthcare in a variety of roles and responsibilities and currently serves as service area vice president for mission integration for Dignity Health in Arizona. She serves on a variety of boards in the Phoenix community involved with hospice care, quality committee for a Medicaid program in Arizona. Jocelyn Aubenmeyer is a certified therapeutic harp practitioner and a certified clinical musician. She is the program director for Therapeutic Harp Foundation in Phoenix, co-director of the International Harp Therapy Program, USA, and serves on the National Standards Board of Therapeutic Musicians. Jocelyn is grateful to be considered essential personnel for St. Joe's Hospital Phoenix, serving the staff, non-COVID patients, babies in crisis, and ICU surgery. She works in unison with the missions and spiritual care departments. Jocelyn and her team bring the music for all patients at Hospice of the Valley, playing from a safe distance for the staff, family, and patients. Karen Peterson is a certified music practitioner and the president of the Music for Healing and Transition program. She and her fellow certified therapeutic musicians are considered essential personnel at St. Barnabas Medical Center in New Jersey, where she has been working since 2012. From March through May, she played for the staff in all areas of the hospital, for non-COVID patients at their doorways, and for COVID patients through their closed doors. Mary Stevens is a certified clinical musician and vibroacoustic harp therapy practitioner in North Central Montana, and the owner, program manager for Harp for Healing, which includes the Clinical Musician Certification Program. She's also a member of the National Standards Board for Therapeutic Musicians and a church musician. Before COVID-19, she was providing therapeutic music to a hospital and five care centers, all of which are currently closed to non-staff members. So thank you all for being here with us today. Um, it's so wonderful to see you all. Um, and I, I admire all the work that you do and all the healing that you bring um, to, pe to people. So um, I would like to um, start with Sister Margaret. Um, I know you have a little prepared speech for um, what's going on in the hospitals. First of all, thank you so much for this invitation. And, you know, I guess I'm, as some of you are on the front lines now helping, uh, I wanted to just have an opportunity to just talk about a couple of variations that we've done. So 
Um, I am fortunate enough to work with Jocelyn, and you're going to hear from her a little bit later. Um, we've always, I think we've always been very supportive of harp music in the hospital, and we've used it, I'll be honest with you, as much for staff as we have for patients. So we're a large academic medical center. Um, we have licensed beds about 605 uh, plus a nursery ICU and uh, probably another hundred babies uh, that are in our count. So um, we have a large ICU population. So what I'm getting at is that um, fortunately we have Jocelyn helping us and working with us. And um, during the month, we uh, bring her in to, and she plans her own schedule, which is wonderful because she, She's very intuitive about when things are needed and when people need music. And so we've done it out in our healing garden as people have come in to work now. Uh, we've done it in our lobby. Uh, we have a Starbucks in our lobby. So oftentimes uh, individuals are getting coffee and Jocelyn is playing there. Um, we have used her. Uh, we had a hospice unit prior to kind of covid 19. We had a hospice unit that uh, Jocelyn would play at and then um, also have an opportunity to go up on the floor. So we did restrict her a little bit, um, just she could play on non-COVID floors. But yesterday um, the request came in that staff and patients want if we were requesting the heart music. And so um, it was a great opportunity and Jocelyn could probably tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, so we have used uh, the music in many different ways. We, um, I think during this COVID time, especially for staff members, almost as much as we have for patients, um, staff, you know, it's obviously extremely stressful uh, for staff when you're on the front lines and, you know, working 12 hours with patients. And with all of the precautionary measures we have to take, so I think we found uh, a real relief in the beautiful music that the harpists can provide. Uh, we recently had, Jocelyn was out in the healing garden and we have an entrance now where almost all the employees have to come through to be checked in um, to come to work. And we had a new employee start uh, the other day and she said, I can't believe it that there was such beautiful harp music playing in the garden when I was coming to work. And I can't tell you what a difference it made to start my day. So I think those are the things that um, as harpists you bring to the organizations. Now, two of our other hospitals decided to discontinue the harp, harp music. And um, I think at a time when, um, you know, there's, there's, a huge, um, there's huge financial challenges on the hospitals right now. So it's a, it's a, it's a difficult time. You have to you know, I think one of the challenges is not every hospital can afford to keep on um, paying them, continuing to pay them. But um, I want you to know we took a different approach and decided it was extremely important to have the music available for our employees and patients. So I'm open to any questions, any thoughts, uh, something that you'd like to share with me. But I want to say that uh, the music has been very helpful to all of us. Thank you, sister. Um, was there anyone we'd like to add to that? Anyone on the panel? I'm, I'm glad that 
people are appreciating the music and how important it is and that you're such an advocate for the for the program and that you appreciate and know how much it heals and helps people so that's so important so thank you for that you're very welcome and i hope jocelyn will go into a little bit of um some of the work we were gonna we we're trying to do in our nursery icu um with our, our drug addicted babies so um we've kind of worked out a plan where we think um, it can have a huge impact on um, our infants who are, have a drug addiction. Wow. So I hope she'll talk about that. Excellent. Um, I, I, um, so Jocelyn, did you want to address that before we get into the questions and then I can start you out with the first question. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, sister Margaret, always for your support and support of the hospital. Um, I've always said everybody needs a Sister Margaret. So, <laughs> um, yesterday, I had texted one of the chaplains and said, is there anybody you would like me to visit today? And what came back was, um, yeah, I really would like you to go to the COVID floors. So this was a, it was a very last minute, okay, what does that look like? And I said, I have to ask Sister Margaret first and I'll get right back to you. So that's what I did. And she said, yes. Uh, the staff can use that. These were the floors that have been um, with the patients since March. So they're not the ones that have been added on. They've been the ones from, from the start. And the staff is exhausted, of course. And um, the chaplain set everything up. She went to the floor managers, made sure it was okay. I had all the gear needed, full face mask, N95, the paper mask, gloves, hair, put all my hair up into a hairnet, everything. And, um, but on the way in, I had been noticing what the spiritual team was doing is they all wear scrubs now. So on the way into the hospital, I went and bought a pair of scrubs and a different <laughs> pair of shoes. I went in, I changed, got everything. You know, I went from my dress to my scrubs. The chaplain came and got me. She gave me a very quick um, briefing of how this was going to look, all the equipment, um, and then I think three times she got called to a code during all this setup and um, a different nurse would step in and say, I've got her. I'll take her from here. So it was like a whole team approach. It was uh, Lacey and Veronica. And they just don't worry. We'll put her stuff in a special bag to put into a locker. And it just all was like clockwork. It was actually like clockwork. So I and afterwards, I um, after five and a half hours on the COVID floors, I did not leave the floor until I cleaned everything. The mask took everything off, all the precautions, gloves, went down, changed my clothes before I got in the car. So that was, that was how the COVID came, came to be. And it was um, very interesting and they were very supportive. And the other program that we're doing, um, research project for um, opioid addicted babies, because there is a new protocol that's about a year old right now on how um, the babies are handled so that they don't necessarily get withdrawal medicines anymore. They get other things and music's one of them. So we are still moving forward with that research project um, right now. And um, I go play for those babies and take, um, take notes myself, very, very brief, um, informal data gathering. And then as soon as we get through a little bit more of what's going on with with COVID and, and in the hospital, then we're going to put it into an IRB and, and move it forward that way with principal investigator and everything. So oh. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was, um, so really that's, 
one of the questions that I wanted to address that what what is it like out there for you? Um, so a quick landscape of working and non-working CTN since March. So that's exactly, you know, that was, you know. Um, so Karen, would you like to address that, what it's like working out there? Sure. So um, in New Jersey, we are now past peak, uh, hopefully past peak, or at least past first first wave peak. Um, at my hospital, as of July 1st, we have discharged 925 COVID recovered patients. Um, so when we were at peak, it was more like what Jocelyn is talking about. Uh, however, I will say personally, I was not asked to do anything additional except for wearing the N95 mask. Um, I wasn't, I, I mean, I had my hair back, but not in a net. I was not wearing gloves. I was not gowned. I didn't have a shield. I didn't have booties. I didn't have the bunny suit. I didn't go to the patients. The architecture of our hospital is such that I could be in a, in a space to play for the staff and not get bumped into. So I wasn't getting brushed against. I wasn't in anyone's way and I wasn't going into the patients. Right now, past peak, um, we have let visitors back in. Uh, so visitors can come during some restricted hours. Everyone, um, visitors, staff alike, are masked and um, temperature checked. Um, but otherwise, I can now, I can go back into regular non-COVID patient rooms um, and everything is the same as before, again, just with the fact that we have a mask. So that's what's happening right now. Wow. Interesting. Um, um, Edie, could you address the same? So what, what it's like out there at a quick landscape? Sure. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having this and thank you for inviting me. Um, at Bedside Harp, uh, I mentioned or you mentioned in my introduction that we uh, both are a service and organization and uh, an educational organization. So during this COVID crisis, um, we have not been going into any of the healthcare facilities um, that we were contracted, we are contracted to play at. Um, our area was, um, was hit pretty badly. And on top of that, many of our harpists, not most of them, are in the protected, you know, the vulnerable uh, uh, protected uh, category. And so I've been very reluctant myself to go in because I'm, I'm at the age where I just don't want to expose myself to anything like that. So what we've done um, instead during this time is really convert everything that we do, our training, instead of um, doing things in person, we're doing everything online in real time. And that has been a huge um, undertaking for us. We're still working at it. And it, that part is going uh, really well. <clears throat> We've been contacted, though, by all of our hospitals. They miss us. They want us to come back. And we're hoping that we can <clears throat> in some way. Thank you. Thanks. Um, and Lawrence, your same, uh, same question of what it, what it's like out there. Well, I work at um, two different uh, places. Uh, our county hospital, I'm on a grant, and they have not allowed any any um, 
volunteers or me back in. Uh, so that's on hold, but I'm an actual employee with VTOS Hospice. And so I go in there and uh, it's a wing that is leased on a long-term lease within uh, Baylor All Saints, Baylor Scott. It's got a lot of different names. Um, it's in Fort Worth. Uh, so VTOS has a wing that has 14 rooms and um, so I can play anywhere in that hallway and they are not taking patients in that uh, inpatient unit that have COVID. So we still, of course, our temperatures are checked. We wear masks and I can um, um, sit between rooms or I tend to sit at one end where um, the visitors have several areas, but this one area is where I've set up. So uh, I'll talk a, a little bit more about that when I talk about uh, sanitation and being, you know, keeping everything clean. But uh, there are no visitors um, that are allowed in the open spaces. If they come to visit someone, they have to go. Um, they're only allowed two max, and they have to be in the room with the patient. They can't hang out in these other places. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's a small enough floor that the patients can hear me, the, the uh, families can hear me. If a particular family wants me to move closer, I will move, you know, close to, the, to that particular door. However, most of them can hear me fairly well since it's, you know, there's only, um, you know, seven rooms on each side of the hall. So that's that's what I've been doing and uh, doing that regularly during this COVID time. Thank you. And Mary, same question. Well, I'm kind of the oddball on the panel because I do not have any access to any of the facilities that I was previously serving. So I am basically doing my part by staying home and not adding to the infection. Um, I did poll my graduates on uh, 1st of July and asked them what it's like for them. And even though I'm the minority on the panel, I think I'm part of the majority because 80% of my respondents that answered my question said that they are, do not have any access at all. And so there are a lot of people who are wondering if they're going to be able to come back in or not. Um, and trying to use the time in, in other ways. But I did hear from other graduates or students in other areas of the world, and it was kind of interesting to compare the notes. Like New Zealand, I was told, is pretty much back to normal. Um, they, Of course, they don't allow anybody to come in unless they are residents, and if they are residents coming back in, then they have to quarantine. But the musicians that are there are able to go into the facilities and, and operate pretty much um, how they did before. So that's a ray of sunshine. <laughs> there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel eventually. Um, Western Australia, I told it, I was told, is, is pretty much under control, and the musicians are able to get back into the facilities again. So there is, there is hope. Um, Italy has been pretty much closed off since February. I had a report from one who said that there is some limited access and others that said, no, they still don't have any access at all. So, but in various states around the country, um, 
some of the larger hospitals, like you've heard from the panelists, do have their musicians coming back in. Um, a lot of the smaller hospitals do not. They just won't won't let anybody in except for critical staff members. Right. Thank you. So I'll I'll start with you for the next question, if you don't mind, Mary. Uh, okay. So tell me about providing live therapeutic music on site and. What's the difference about playing on site now uh, with infection control? If, well, well, I, mean, I can't. I can't really speak to right. that because I'm not doing right. any any live access. Uh, I have heard from graduates who say much of the same things that's been said by the panelists. That there's um, some of them have to wear the whole mask and the and the all of the protective gear, including the shield. There's, of course, sanitation, uh, disinfecting the instrument between every, every patient and uh, disinfecting hands continually, um, changing out of work clothes either before you even leave the facility or as soon as you get home. And um, so you're not bringing that home to your, to your family and not being in, even if they're slightly ill, they just don't go in. Um, singing outside... Um, Jocelyn can talk about this, uh, playing outside with windows, patients having their windows slightly open so they can hear. It's not nearly as good, but at least it's something. Sure, so, yeah. Um, that's, Thank yeah. You. yeah. So, um, so Lawrence, you're, you're working in, in the facility now. How is that, um, how is it for you providing music on site and, and infection control and how you're handling that? Well, the main difference is that I'm not going into the rooms. I stay in the hallway, but I, you know, I can be near the, the room, you know, right, right outside the doorway, but I'm not going in. So that's, of course, one big difference. Um, uh, I, I play, as I said, orch I take a small harp and um, I'm sitting down uh, in this visitor's area, which they can't sit in. They've got all the chairs turned where people can't sit. And um, the visitors know they have to go right to their their um, loved one's room. And so I have that area so I can put my harp, you know, I don't have to put it on the floor. I don't have to put my case on the floor. It can all go in these chairs that are not being used by anyone else right now. And um, yeah, of course, when I, I get home, um, or even before I leave, I get wipes, you know, sanitary wipes from the um, from the nurses, uh, and I wipe the the case down. And when I get home, um, I use a UV wand. I don't know how good it is, but I try. I do everything I can. Uh, so I use the wipes. I spray the case, you know, on the outside of the case, uh, and the wand, and and the 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 wipes. So that's what I'm doing to, to try to keep um, things as, as, as sanitary as I can. Right. Wow. And, um, Jocelyn, how are you, um, how are you handling the same situation with that, with, uh, playing music on site and, um, the infection control? Yes. Thank you. Uh, much like Lawrence just said. So in, in the hospice units, I play in a common area that's not common at the moment, so nobody's allowed in there. I just, I sit in there. Um, prior to that, for probably two weeks when this started, 
um, we could, in the hospice units, we could not even go in. So uh, what we did is we played outside and we actually went from outside patio to outside patio and just carried our harps around the facility and the staff would know we're there and they would come open the outside doors so the patients could hear. And um, I did um, a lot and still am playing outside assisted livings and memory cares, sitting on sidewalks, actually putting an amp onto the onto the um, dusty strings now so that the people sit at the windows and they crack them open and they listen like that. And um, I do not have the, U, the UV wand. However, it is on sale right now. It's half off if anybody's interested. I just saw that it's, it's marked, marked down half, half price. And um, I use the, the wipes and hand sanitizer. And, um, are, are there specific wipes that you're using, like, um, like bleach or, or, or Lysol? Or? Um, I'm using the ones that the hospital gave me, so they're, they're high grade. And I use those on the bottom of the harp. And I actually contacted um, six manufacturers and, and I asked them about what they recommend. And pretty much across the board, it's alcohol wipes um, on the strings and on the actual harp, as long as it's wiped off right away. So the Clorox wipes, and then there is a um, uh, antiseptic towelettes. And I can type all this part in the chat. Um, this is what, uh, IHTP had been recommending and they were out for a long time. Amazon has them back again. They're $11.99 for 100 of them and they're back online. Oh, thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, sure. Um, Karen, could you address the same issue? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And um, my, uh, when we were at peak, because I would have to play so far away from the patients, I chose to focus on staff. And as Sister Margaret was saying in the beginning, the staff are very overwhelmed, stressed out, and not just the staff on the COVID floors, um, because especially at peak, the staff on the COVID floors, the entire media was giving so much attention to our frontline heroes. They knew they were making a difference. They were specifically addressing COVID patients. The staff on the non-COVID floors were also having to go through all of this different logistical things, all of still all, a, a, a larger degree of personal protective equipment than ever before. They weren't really getting shout outs from the media and they had more time to fret and become anxious about their situation. And then you have the other staff. So people in medical records, people on maintenance staff. I mean, if the cleaning staff is just all scared and, and you know, I have to, they are the ones who have to come in and wipe down what we're all talking about with the, with the virus. If they're all stressed out of their minds, they're gonna miss something. I so I, my focus was on staff. I would set up at the nurses' stations. I would play for about 15 minutes. Every person would take a moment to tell me, thank you, I'm so glad you're here. This is beautiful. This is like opening the window after a long winter. Mm. And it was like, of all of the busyness that they were going through and all of this craziness, 
I, I wasn't, you know, I'm not looking for recognition. I'm not saying to anybody, hey, hey, do you know I'm here? But being able to bring stress reduction to where they were was such a boom. And again, not going into the patient's room and not being not being touched by staff or patients. Um, my sanitation was that bot just the bottom of the harp um, with the hospital wipes. Um, cha I changed my shoes and then I put my harp in a cart. So I would wipe down the inside of the cart and the wheels of the cart uh, with the alcohol wipes. Um, I wouldn't take my shoes into the house. Like those were the hospital shoes they stayed in the car. Um, and that was my extra sanitation. Thank you. The uh, one hospital that we are still playing at and that we have been throughout this pandemic is our psychiatric hospital. And so it is required uh, that we, you know, we, uh, I, I don't do it personally, but one of our graduates does it. Um, and she, uh, there's a temperature check in the, in every time she goes there. Uh, she, of course, needs to wear a mask. Um, but the, you know, it's not an acute care hospital. So um, they did have an outbreak in the staff in one of the units a couple of weeks ago, and they just asked her not to play in that unit. So, um, and there's about six units that we play in, and we play quite a few hours every, every month. So that's still been up and running. Thank you. Um, so I'll start this, uh, the next question with you, um, Evie, if you don't mind. So how are certified therapeutic musicians providing music virtually? Uh, the logistics of getting the music to the patients, uh, coordination with the staff, technology, privacy concerns. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, one of our hospitals, the, the hospital that we've been at for now 20 years, is actually um, working to uh, make it so that we can play outside in a, a kind of a covered tent area and that they can stream it directly into their cancer center because they, um, they really want, they want us everywhere, but they want to start with the cancer center. And the idea is to start with the cancer center and then perhaps to be able to live stream it into the rooms. Um, so it would, it would m probably come across on a television screen uh, at some point. Uh, we are exploring also the idea of virtual sessions where the person, you know, the, the um, recipient would be either on an iPhone or an iPad and have a live session as opposed to a pre-recorded session, which we would prefer mm -hmm. to, uh, much more meaningful. And, um, and so part of our training now and part of our, our, what we need to do is we need to learn how to do that both technologically and, and also, you know, aesthetically. Um, how, are we, how are we going to be able to deliver effective sessions uh, in, in, in this uh, new world order? Right. And um, we've been doing it uh, on, with one-on-one -on -one private people uh, just to test drive it and see, seeing, you know, what maybe needs to be tweaked and that kind of thing. And at Bedside Harp, we have ongoing 
uh, salons uh, where we actually are discussing other possibilities, how to record ourselves. Um, you know, the, this, this is all new for right. many of us. So. True. Uh, so, uh, Jocelyn, same, same question. I can, do you want me to repeat the question? Or are you? So, how are certified therapeutic musicians providing music virtually? So, logistics of getting the music to the patient, um, technology and all. So, from... Um, from what I have done, I've done one virtual offering, and that was on Zoom, and um, it was a memory cafe, so it was, it was uh, memory care uh, folks and their caregivers, and it, was, it went very, very well, um, aside from the fact that I tried to set it up downstairs on the iPad, which did not connect, so 20 minutes ahead of time, I ran everything up to this computer, harp, props, everything I was going to use. And, and made it work. So that's what, um, that kind of fits what we're going through right now, right? It's uncertain, things may not work, have backup plan B and C. So that that's how it, how it was. I have sent a few um, recorded YouTubes to the hospital um, of a Native American flute and myself playing together for the population, a large population at St. Joe's. And um Let's see. I, I see what others are doing. They're making um, YouTube videos. Um, some are going live and doing live streaming. So there's everybody's really exploring this right now and then sharing information, which is which is awesome. But the point is just getting it out there because these people um, are lonely and mm -hmm. and depressed and aren't being by the people, I mean the people in the memory cares, assisted livings, hospice, hospitals. Um, they're not being touched the way they used to, hugged, communicated with. So people are exploring and sharing ways to get that music back out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank sure. you. Um, and uh, Lawrence, the same, the same question. Um, I have not done that, so I don't really have a lot to say on that. And um, like Jocelyn said, I will be interested to see others who are doing that, how it works, since I'm still able to go to go in um, into the hospitals. So, um, yeah, I think others would have more to say about that. All right. Yeah. And I know like Zoom is not the best for live music. So I know a lot of people, that's why they're doing things on, on YouTube, especially too. So uh, that was one of the questions that someone had said. And um, all right. So um, Mary, do you mind, uh, can you address that too? Uh, yeah. Well, we've, like Jocelyn said, we're all exploring and we're all trying different things. And I have actually had several CMCP students who, as part of their bedside hours, are doing sessions over Zoom. And I have them, the recipients of the sessions, I have them fill out an evaluation and send it to me. And overwhelmingly, the people are saying that it's effective, that they are getting benefit from it. And the advantage of being at home in a comfortable space, um, you know, you can serve people in home. There are some that notice the sound quality. Um, that one of the objections of, of doing music over, over Zoom or a remote platform like that is the sound quality. And we have to keep in mind that sound quality to us as musicians is uh, we're a lot pickier than the general public. 
so even though we're losing the live acoustic sound, people are still getting the interactive music when the musician can see the person they're playing for and still react the way that we do at the bedside. So I think it's a, a viable option that we definitely need to explore. I have one graduate who is able to do Zoom sessions or FaceTime. She actually prefers FaceTime with residents of care facilities where she was previously serving. And she's working it out, and she says she's getting good sound, getting good um, feedback. And she's a person who is very particular about sound quality. So it's a an avenue that I think you're going to see as part of the training process in the programs that this is an area where therapeutic musicians can actually expand beyond the hospitals and into private home settings. And um, so, yeah, there are objections and there are valid objections that we're going to have to address. Um, one of the problems that we have is the internet capability um, in the facilities because sometimes it's, it's not adequate to give you an uninterrupted stream. And that's nothing, you can't control that. There's nothing we can do to control that. Um, so that is an issue that we are thinking about. And um, the issue of equipment that you need to record. And I, I think the way that things are progressing so fast, you're going to see in six months, there's going to be improvements. So it's something we got to keep on top of and just go with it. I think it's going to be part of the future. Thank you, uh, thank you for that. And Karen, Karen, could you also address that, please? Yeah, 100% agree with, with everything Mary just said. Um, we have uh, folks in the MHTP network doing, um, I think, everything that everyone has, has mentioned so far. So live streaming, um, CCTV, um, like, you know, stuff is being live streamed through the, the hospital's closed circuit uh, TV and sound system. Folks are doing recordings and distributing those to the staff or putting them online or the, the facility's social media. And then folks are working directly with patients live, either individually because they already have shared that contact information or through the, the healthcare facility's existing telehealth system. So whatever methodologies that are being used for, for telehealth, telemedicine in the facility that, they're, that we are able to get into that system um, or just this ad hoc, hey, you know, the activities director at the nursing home is, is, is wheeling around an iPad, you know, with, this, with the person on the other end and, and, and propping that up. But I'm, I'm so glad, Mary, that you said this, um, that, that this, our people are saying that they're having good results. They're seeing similar reactions from patients that they would have seen live. So you have to kind of look at that on the spectrum of, you know, we can all agree that it would be better to be there in person with an acoustic instrument. But if you can't, do you just go for nothing? Just be like, ah, oh, it's not gonna be that as good, so give up? Or do you try to be there live over the internet? which is what we're doing with this conference, right? We didn't give up. We're like, let's do it on Zoom. If you can't do it live on Zoom or live on however, whatever method, can you do it via via a recording? Can you do it outside? Like there's, it's not gonna be ideal, but it also as Mary said, the technology and the logistics are only gonna get better because the same thing we're seeing with this conference, people are seeing in the hospitals. There are pros and there are cons. 
and I'm sure we are all very comfortable. We, I'm sure we have no complaints about the accommodations and the food <laughs> that we've all been experiencing. And the ways that things are being worked out with the process of telehealth, it's going to get better. And all of the technology is just going to get better and better. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so, Edie, I would, I'd love to ask you the next question. And I want to add on to this, too, because uh, questions have been coming through um, in the chat about uh, if any of you have had an uptick in um, people applying to your program. So let me, I'll ask the question here. So um, you each represent an accredited training program. How does a certification benefit musicians at this time? And what is the future of the field? So volunteers versus essential personnel looking ahead. And just to add on to that, um, some people were curious if you have found an uptick in people applying to your programs. So yes, we have, in fact. And um, this is a rich time to get training. I think this is the best time to get training, especially because um, we don't have access like we did before. So this is the time to really hone your skills and, and, and you know, expand your knowledge and, um, and repertoire um, and be able to really um, work on skills that perhaps are a little rusty or maybe that you didn't have before. Uh, I think this is the ideal time to get training and get certified. Um, also, I think it's an ideal time because we are all in a big think. Where do we go from here? Um, you know, do we expand? Um, we have had conversations, in fact, about uh, do we just play for humans? Do we play for animals? Do we play in um, on farms? Do we play uh, at veterinary clinics? Um, how else might we be able to offer therapeutic music uh, to benefit another being, whether that being be human or otherwise? So um, to me, I, I think it's an exciting time. And I think it's an exciting time if you haven't been in the field to come into the field because it's, uh, as I said, it's very rich. There's a lot of creativity. There's a lot um, of new things happening and sometimes faster than we can even keep up with. Uh, but this is, this is our time as I see it. Excellent, thank you. Uh, Jocelyn, the same, same question. Um, I think Edie said it all. <laughs> I think she summed it up. It's a great time to get trained and it's a, it's a great time for those that are trained to um, even take their skills to a higher level, uh, work on CEUs. There's a lot of places to get CEUs. MHTP offers CEUs um, for, for all graduates and for their graduates. Um, Verlene Shermer, Bright Knowledge Harp Circle, IHTP. There, there's a lot of things going on right now for those that are trained to um, do more, to even do more. So that's, that's just what I would add. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Lawrence, so let's see, let me just get the spotlight on you. Yes, so same well, question. 
I want to, to, to just focus on the importance of certification. And as Edie said, what better time? Um, there, you know, there are these four programs that are certified, that are, are accredited, excuse me. And um, I have three degrees in music. The hospital wasn't so interested in that. Uh, they wanted to know what my certification was. And <laughs> when I got a second certification, I started with Harp for Healing. And I just, you know, I, I'm always wanting to learn new things. And so I did the International Harp Therapy Program. When I finished that, I got a raise. <laughs> so um, I would take Edie's program in and MHTP if I had time. I mean, every program has um, a different slant and I'm always mm -hmm. wanting to learn new things. And so uh, I just want to stress to, to people that may be listening how important that certification is. The PhD mm -hmm. didn't get me a raise, but a second certification <laughs> got, got um, you know, I was given a raise at VTOS and... Uh, and this, as Edie already mentioned, this is the best time because a lot of us can't do, you know, I'm still working, but I'm not working at JPS. I'm not working as much as I was. So, you know, I have time to, to do uh, more CEUs, uh, more programs and, and um, all of that. So I just wanted to stress certification is key. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and Mary, uh same question. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Lawrence pointed out that he went through the two programs. I did the same thing. Uh, I did the, the Heart for Healing CMCP, and then I did IHTP, and then I did the vibroacoustic training. And I, if I could, I would take Edie's program and MHTP um, in a heartbeat, because each program has their own strength and their own perspective, and you learn by, by having all of these different perspectives. Um, and so it, I'd just like to give a kind of a shout out that all four of the programs are excellent programs. And for anybody who's looking for a program, look at all four and fit, find one that fits your learning style and fits your philosophy because they're great. Um, as far as the future or, you know, why would you go into it? Uh, I just came across a... Wall Street Journal article um, yesterday, I think it was, about um, it was as pandemic business slows business, workers fret, is my job relevant? Well, I don't get the Wall Street Journal, but my daughter, daughter does. So she sent that article to me. And I was reading that article and a lot of people are wondering about the relevance of the field that they have chosen. And in therapeutic music, there is absolutely no doubt about the relative, about the value of what we do, and I think every therapeutic musician has stories of of somebody who just says, you know, your music made all the world to me. And I had a student send me um, a, a report from somebody who had heard her play in a hospital. I guess was a graduate, but it was a third year medical student, and he was in a hospital and saw her in the hallway playing and a nurse coming around and, and getting her protective gear on. And he was just really struck by the, the two pictures of the harp and the seriousness of the situation. And he said, the harp just 
brought such a moment of peace to that. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a medical professional saying this, and, and we've had reports of other medical professionals, professionals giving the same report. Our, our field of practice has great value, and it is great relevance, and it is a very rewarding, for the musician, a rewarding use of music. Uh, there's, with, with the Zoom, or the, the online platforms that we're exploring, I see therapeutic music world as exploding in opportunity, as I said earlier, about reaching into the homes. And NSBTM, as I think Edie alluded to, is starting to discuss, you know, maybe we need to, to expand our focus of therapeutic music. We focus so much on the medical community, we need to focus on other areas. Um, we can work in the chiropractic offices, in dentist offices, in businesses. Imagine what having a harpist come in and play might do for a business. Um, in individual homes, as a for reaching out to those who are homebound, there's lots of opportunities. You have to be an entrepreneur. You have to make your own business. But there's lots of opportunities out there. So, and yes, our our my enrollment in CMCP, I expected it to fall when this all happened, but it has stayed steady and grown. Wow. So, yeah, our future is good. Uh, so, uh, Karen, do you answer the same question there? Absolutely. And same with MHTP, we, we have seen an uptick, an uptick in enrollment. Um, there's, there's absolutely a future for trained therapeutic musicians because this is not, this is not entertainers off the streets coming in to play for, for patients or for staff. Um, you know, the, the education that you get from any of these accredited programs is going to prepare you to enter healthcare. And something that, because of my training, I hadn't really thought of, but we're the Music for Healing and Transition program. Transition, that is about serving the dying and their families. So that's completely part of my training. And what I hadn't realized was with the staff dealing with COVID patients, most, the vast majority of healthcare staff, their patients get better. They, they're not, they don't have a lot of experience with having their patients not recover. When their patients leave, they're either going home, they're going to rehab, like, like it's it's an uplifting experience, and when you have peak COVID, the staff did not have the training that the therapeutic musicians in all of these programs get for processing. How do you work when your patients are passing away? So, this was a huge part of the value of being trained, and in playing for staff, even for staff that was not on the COVID floors, who were just dealing with normal stress or normal COVID stress, it is therapeutic playing. You have to still read the room and all of the training that we get from these programs about how do you observe your patients, we have to do that same thing for staff. So it's 100% a thousand percent even more relevant now to go through these programs than before. 
And if you look across the healthcare facilities and we talk about who's been furloughed or who's not allowed back into the facilities, in very many of these facilities, it's the volunteers. The volunteers aren't, aren't being allowed back. Um, and it's not so much that they're completely unskilled, but it's highly likely that none of the volunteers have gone through the amount of training that the certified therapeutic, therapeutic musicians have gone through. Mm -hmm. So to have a thought of like, oh, well, I don't need to get paid. I just want to play nice music for people. Um, you're, you're not going to get in at this point as a volunteer because they're going to be asking, as Lawrence said, what's your certification? What's your training? Thank you. Um, so uh, I'm going to move on to the next question. And I, I, I love how passionate all of you are about the importance of music and therapy and, and how it, it really does like, make such a huge difference in people's lives and healing. So again, thank you for what you, you do. So, um, so Edie, our next question is, what can certified musicians who have been furloughed or who are having trouble finding work uh, before the pandemic do now? Do you have any strategies or um, skill sharpening or self-care that they can do? Well, everything that you mentioned, and especially um, taking care of themselves. Um, so, so many of us who come into this field are so used to taking care of others or serving others or doing for others. And during this time now, I think it's really important for us to focus on taking care of ourselves, taking really good care of ourselves. So Bedside Harp is a mindfulness-based program. And that being said, um, a large part of what we do is focus on caring for ourselves, um, not just physically, but spiritually, um, you know, mentally. and that's where mindfulness comes in. Having a regular meditation practice really does do more than, um, than calm you. It really brings down blood pressure. It really makes a difference physiologically in so many ways. And this is not the time to get ill. So this is the time for us to really take tender care of ourselves, really be gentle with ourselves. And take a lot of the focus that maybe we, we um, directed outside of ourselves to ourselves. And that means, you know, eating well, exercising, really caring for ourselves in these really important ways. And hopefully when things do get back and we are busy, that we can incorporate these things um, more into our lives and not just be focused on serving others without really taking important care of ourselves. So, uh, and yes, getting, getting educated, um, expanding your skills, uh, everything that we said uh, before is important. But I think the part that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, and especially during these times, because we're all grieving. We're all in a state of grief. We're grieving our former lives. We're grieving that perhaps we can't, we're cut off from people that we love. We're grieving because we can't hug each other like we hugged each other. Um, everything is, you know, sterilized and we're masked and, 
And so there's a lot to grieve over. And we need to address that. We need to, we, we can't just push it away because it, it still is there and comes up and bites us every so often. So we do need to have skills. We need to begin to develop skills to be able to deal with these rocky seas because, you know, one day the, the, the uh, count is up, one day it's down. I mean, this is, we're really traveling on some rocky ground here. And um, we can really get, you know, get very disoriented and depressed if we don't pay attention to taking care of ourselves in that way. Oh, very well said. Thank you. And, yeah. Uh, Jocelyn, would you like to add to that? Uh, no, not really. That was, that was okay. actually, <laughs> actually, I wouldn't, other than I would like, um, I would, that was perfection. So um, I would like to ask Edie if she's um, teaching her mindfulness classes right now. I am. And actually, um, in the, right at the beginning of the shutdown in early March, I um, put it out there to whoever wanted to join me. Uh, I was doing nightly free sessions of meditation and teaching because I've taught both mindfulness-based stress reduction and uh, just straight mindfulness meditation. And I just knew that that's what people really needed. They needed something solid to be able to hold on to when the sands were shifting so, so radically. Um, and I just uh, completed, uh, since March, it, it's only been a week now that I stopped those sessions. And that was because everything else started happening at Bedside Harp. So I didn't have as much time to offer offer it as frequently as I was offering it. But yeah, this is, um, this is the time that I am going to be launching a, a web and uh, internet-based um, mindfulness meditation, introduction mm -hmm. to mindfulness meditation, where people can develop these skills and use these tools. Thank and you. Can we find that um, on your website then? Can we... When that, when that launches, we can find the times. Because this would be a great, um, like you're saying, the self-care. And this, was, this would be a wonderful CEU as well for people. Because I think, as Edie said, it, if we start with us, the rest will fall into place. The rest will fall yeah. into place. It'll be on the website. It will be on Facebook. We're, we're, doing a, we're going to be doing a lot more on Facebook as well. Well, I'll be watching for that. <laughs> there will be free meditations also offered on the website for anybody who wants to just tune in whenever. Oh, excellent. That's wonderful. Thank you. So, um, Mary, would you, like, just going back to the, um, what can certified musicians who've been furloughed, um, who are having trouble finding work, um, do you have any strategies for them? Well, again, like Edie was saying, it's all in, in attitude. Um, referring back again to that Wall Street Journal article, there was an excerpt in there about a young woman who was a comedian, and um, she, would, she had just given up her other career and gone into full-term full uh, stand-up comedy in January, and then everything fell apart. And um, 
after she was in lockdown for a month, she woke up and, and said, you know, I've had a month, I've had all this time, and I've done absolutely nothing, and decided I need to change that. And so she started doing some things through, through Zoom, through the online thing, and started reinventing herself. And a lot of it is just changing your attitude so that you look at it not as a defeat, but as an opportunity. Is there another instrument you've wanted to learn how to play? Well, now you've got time to learn it. Um, have you ever tried wanting to compose or make arrangements, write out your arrangements, do that. Um, find a place to be of service to your community. Um, start exploring the, the online remote sessions that we've been talking about. There's always, it, it, it depends so much on your attitude and getting in touch with your own spiritual life, whether that be through mindfulness like Edie is, is talking about or whether it's touching base with maybe some childhood traditions that you had or um, some religious practices that you have. Find your anchors and hang on to them. Don't let them go away and then build. Um, this is kind of a, a uh, fire and brimstone time where some things are going to be, be burned away and we'll get down to our core values and who we truly are and build on that. And um, for financial considerations, if, if you were getting income from your therapeutic music and you're not getting it anymore, look into unemployment compensation, look into some of the programs that have been um, passed because an awful lot of therapeutic music musicians were able to apply for assistance because they lost so much income. So if you haven't looked into that, look into that research, what's available in your state and pursue that. Um, look for other areas of support, reach out to people. And remember, there's always somebody who's worse off than you are. You can help somebody. Even if it's not through your music, you can help them in some ways, writing letters, making face masks, um, being of service. Therapeutic musicians generally are people of service, and there are always places to be of service and give yourself some reason to get up in the morning. <laughs> You've got to have reasons to get up in the morning, so find a reason. Don't, don't allow yourself to wallow. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, Lawrence, could, do you mind adding to that? Do you have anything to add to that? Um, just a couple of things that I have done to, um, you know, for self-care and, and for, uh, we've all felt different emotions. My, my first emotion when this all came out was, was a lot of anger. And it's change, you know, you go, we all experience and go through phases of numbness, anger. Uh, one of the things that I um, uh, do as part of my uh, full-time job at the church is that I, we have a daycare center and um, it closed for a while and now it's reopened. I'm still not going down there. We've had two teachers who have gotten COVID. So then we'd have to shut again. So uh, I make videos for the kids and um, it's on our, our private Facebook page for the families of the children. So I can get on there and be a clown and play the harp and sing and do silly songs. And that's one of the things that, that I've done for self-care, but which at the same time uh, is helping, you know, I, I will get um, 
feedback from the parents because, of course, it's on Facebook so they can respond and they will send pictures of their children watching the video uh, of me acting silly or playing the harp or whatever. So that's one of the things that's kind of helped me lighten up because when you're when you're playing for a child or you see a child laughing or they tell you that this is the highlight of my kids day is when they will watch the video that you made so not only are you helping yourself you're helping that child and their their whole family so that's one of the things another thing that i would recommend um for for people who are uh, working towards certification or who already are certified is is um, to to remember to always be th- uh, working on your theory if you're if you're weak on that. Um, people have told me, well, I can't improvise, and you're lucky because you have all this theory background. So now is the time to do it. Now, when I'm improvising on the harp, I don't always. I'm not always thinking of what chord I'm playing, but yes, it certainly helps. So that's another thing for people who feel, uh, who are in the field or who are working to be certified. Uh, I always like to stress that the more, uh, I think we can all safely say that while we are playing for a patient, I don't think many of us are thinking theory, but if you have that background, it's a foundation that's there and the more that you study and understand and the more you train your ear, uh, then the, the better I think you'll be. It's just something I like to, to emphasize because I've had so many people tell me they could never do this because they're, they're glued to the dots on the page. So that's one thing that I think people could, could, um, could do, uh, while, while they're, um, trying to, you know, to figure out what can I do during this time if I'm not working. Um, And also, I think playing for others, even if it's, you know, your family members or somebody else, you can always play at home for other people. And Therese Honey, some of you know her, she's a harp teacher in Houston, and her husband plays the, the Irish, the Celtic flute, and they have created this thing called Live in the Drive, and they're playing for their neighborhood every day. I think they finally stopped, uh, but they uh, not permanently, but they started this when it was a little cooler. And, of course, each day, each week that went by, they would move it a little later. But she has posted pictures, and, I mean, there are people from the whole neighborhood that she hadn't met that are bringing lawn chairs, and they all stay, you know, away from each other and they're just playing for for people in the neighborhood and uh, this is sort of what Edie had mentioned earlier about playing for figuring out new places and new people to play for and since I mentioned Edie I want to say one more thing Edie I hope that maybe you'll do one of your um, your laughing uh, yoga yoga because <laughs> I've done the the my I haven't trained to teach mindful the uh, mindful meditation, but I've done the eight week course, and that's very helpful. But I remember several years ago at Somerset, Edie started doing this laughing yoga, and at first I thought, okay, this is just going to be ridiculous, and <laughs> it was great. And I think now that would be a really good thing to do. And I I don't know how to 
teach that. I would love to see see you do that online because I have done it online actually oh, during this time. Yes, I have yeah. Done. I mean, maybe if after um, after Karen answers this question, maybe if Edie wanted to do like a guided laughing meditation for us, <laughs> I think everyone would appreciate that. I don't think anyone is going to object to that. Um, but yeah, Karen, if you could. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Lawrence. We we. Did you want to add to that? You're oh, okay. um, but that's a great idea, though. I, I love that. So, um, so, so, Karen, um, your thought on on this? The so, do you want me to, I could ask the question again, or are you good? Okay. Um, I, I'm. I want to take it back to um, when uh, Sister Margaret uh, was speaking and saying that some of the some of the facilities in their system decided to cut music. And she did not. And then Jocelyn said, you know, everybody needs a Sister Margaret. Um, I don't want to speak blithely about getting back to work or getting new work because I, I know I'm, I recognize how lucky I am to have entered a program at St. Barnabas that had already been established, that already considered us essential personnel. So I, I know I'm speaking from a position of, of good fortune. But I, I want to hearken back to what Mary said about, about attitude, because even outside of the pandemic, this, isn't, this is not yet a job that you can just fall into. Almost all of us, regardless of COVID, had to create the job that we had, the paid work that we have, and the way that we are getting compensated for providing a service that people agree is valuable but isn't in a neat little box yet that someone can say, yes, we're looking for a certified therapeutic musician. And so I, I want to say from the standpoint of money, and the facilities are saying we don't have money for this. Because I was playing for staff and I saw such a benefit to playing for the staff. I tried to draw lines back to money. Healthcare facilities, they're, they lose a certain percentage of staff each year to burnout, COVID or not, but obviously it's going to be worse now. When facilities provide resources for self-care, for spiritual care to their staff to reduce burnout, it reduces attrition. Attrition is costly. Reducing attrition saves money. Now, the biggest reasons that staff don't take advantage of stress reduction resources that their facilities make available to them is that they don't have time to do something. They don't know how to get the resources. And so especially now, it's like people are saying, well, I don't have time to take a breath. You're telling me to just breathe and I'm wearing all this plastic and it hurts to breathe. And I, I just, I don't have time. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And we've all done this, right? We've all been like, I'm too busy to take a moment. And here's what happened when, when we come in with therapeutic music, again, not entertainment, but trained, we're skilled, we're looking at, we're reading the room, we're looking at what our staff needs. We bring the stress reduction to them. They don't have to stop what they're doing. And so what I would see with the staff is like, they're charting and they're all like, and then I would come with music and they would just, And just that moment, they didn't have to take a moment. We weren't telling everybody, take a moment. No, we, we brought the moment to them. 
So in that sense of Mary saying, you know, look at this as an opportunity, this is allowing us to focus and say, outside of the pandemic, we knew that burnout in healthcare of staff is an issue. It's gonna be an even worse issue that's gonna cost hospitals money. Do you wanna pay that money in big bucks later on rehiring and retraining? Or do you wanna pay a little less upfront to not lose those people by helping them get the stress relief that they need in a way that they can consume it? So I think trying to go back to your facility or to new facilities with a proposal of playing for staff. And if they're like, we don't want you on the COVID floors, can I go to the non-COVID floors? No, we don't want you with patients. Can I go to the to the back office staff? Can I play in medical records? Can I play in the cafeteria in the um, for the cafeteria workers? Can I play for the maintenance staff? Like, where can I go that you'll allow this? Because if I can tamp down on the stress levels of any of the staff, I'm going to save you money. Well said. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Um, we we have gotten through the those five questions. Uh, we all like that you guys were so great about paring down. <laughs> so uh, I have a couple of suggestions and you guys let me know what you think. Um, one was if, if Edie, if you're up for it, if you want to do a brief guided meditation for us, no pressure. If you're not into it right now, that's okay. Um, and then we can also, um, oh, you're, the attendees are saying yes. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but then we can also open the floor up to questions from the, uh, the attendees as well. So is everyone all right with that? If we, it's, is that okay? Cause we haven't, we have another, uh, 15 minutes. So if that's okay with everyone. So, um, so we can start with, with Edie, if you want to do a brief, or maybe we'll do the questions and then we'll end with the meditation. So do we have any questions from the attendees for the panel? If you, you could just type that into um, the chat window there. So uh, this is a question for Lawrence. Um, how, how has your uh, aromatherapy training um, benefited your work? So let me... I have not used uh, used it at work. There's there's so many um, protocols and hoops to join to jump through, and I I was doing most of my work in the county hospital, so I didn't even want to attempt it. Maybe uh, partially because I'm so busy at the church as well. Uh, I think hospice there probably would be a, a, a little more open to the idea. Um, I don't know if any of you have used it, but I, um, I use it more, I use aromatherapy. I wasn't interested in, oh, how do you use it for a cold or arthritis? I'm, I was much more interested in using it for meditation and spiritual practices. So no, I have not. I don't know if, if any, uh, anyone else here has, but uh, I know that uh, Hannah Brokaw, she's, a lot of you know her, she's, she has the same training as um, Jocelyn as, and I do, and Mary in the two the, the two programs. She uses it, I know, um, in her um, some of her work. I have not. So, thanks for the question. 
Any, any other questions from uh, the attendees? I don't see any right now. Um, did anyone on the panel want to add anything that we didn't touch on? Were there any questions that were submitted through the chat that needed to be addressed? There were some questions about um, disinfecting wipes and what's safe on a harp. Yes, I think. Um, let's see, let me go back. Oh, um, yeah. Do you? Uh, yeah. Do you want to address any of the disinfectants that you use at all, or? I I have a Jesse Nightingale, and Hannah and I both have this problem where uh, because of whatever it is he uses on his harp uh, to finish it, it it takes anything I've tried, I've tried it on little places, it has, has um, started to remove the finish. So on my harp, I only use the wand. Um, on my case, I'll use anything, and you know, wipes, uh, whatever, but uh, on my harp, uh, no one touches my harp. Um, I used to, before COVID, you know, I had... Um, uh, a, a deaf girl that was at the hospital, um, she put her hand on, on my harp, but that was a long time ago. So right now, no one is, is touching my harp, so um, uh, I'm not too worried about it, but I do have the wand to use on it. Um, any other questions from anyone there? Um, well, may I just add that I... I emphasize it's very important that you contact the manufacturer of your harp and find out what they recommend because what's safe for one finish is not safe for another. So contact the manufacturer. Don't count on what you hear in a chat room or what you hear on a Facebook page or what you read in an article. It may not be safe for your harp or All for right. your instrument, whatever you use. I think someone listed um, that Jack is from Kamek uh, Harps had uh, addressed this. I don't know if whoever posted that, if you could post that link again, because I don't, I'm just trying to scroll to find it. But um, yes, that's an excellent point. Um, and the name of the wand that you use, Lawrence, um, for the UV? Um, they don't make the one that I bought. Uh, it's, I think it's called a curlin. But if you Google a UV wand on Amazon, you'll get a whole lot of them. And I think they all work the same. Some of them require batteries. Some of them you can recharge through a USB port. Um, and as I told someone earlier on the chat, uh, I don't know how effective they are, but I do it anyway. <laughs> Just uh, you can't, yeah. you know, you oh. can't overdo it um so i try everything you know <laughs> yeah i wouldn't recommend doing it as your main line of defense um, what i've researched on it is that if you don't do it right it's it's ineffective and who knows what right is i don't know if there's been enough research on it to depend on it as a first line of of defense or offense or whatever you want to call it um certainly an add-on yeah is good that's what I use it as, just sort of an extra, <laughs> just in mm -hmm. case it works. It certainly can't hurt. Right. <laughs> don't count on it. Uh, so uh, Margaret asked, uh, does the hospital require you to clean your instruments? My, I think they, they trust me now. I've been there for seven or eight years now, uh, six or seven years, and no one's ever questioned me. The surgeons, when I played in surgery... Uh, they weren't concerned. They, I think they trusted me to do my thing. So I, 
Um, I have never been asked by a surgeon or a nurse or anyone, have you cleaned your harp? So no, neither have neither have I. Neither have I ever. Karen, no I think, I think it's expected. Exactly. Like we're yeah. we're trained. trained. Right. That's part right. of it. Like absolutely one hundred percent part of the expectation for professionals. Right. Yeah. Uh, any other questions from anyone in the who's listening today? I don't see any other questions. Oh, Jocelyn, yeah, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to um, add that Dusty Strings put it on their blog about what to use to sanitize, what they recommend, and I, um, I think Karen posted Salvi's recommendations as well right and so, then uh and Faye put up uh chemex right as well. so i think there's and then um i think stony end is actually speaking to that today somewhere at somerset oh good. about okay. their about what they're they recommend and um yeah so that's what i and piggyback what karen said about the cost savings like when we're in front of an administrator, they, they they like to hear maybe two, you know, a couple stories about who, you know, how the music was. But when you show them the bottom line and how it can staff retention, um, less stress, and, and not just for the floor staff, you know, for anybody, that's where they start to tune in. Yeah, they also tune in. Um, we got an account because well, we're trained from one of the National Standards Board therapeutic musicians for accredited programs. So those things carry carry weight. So I just wanted to, to piggyback on that. Great, excellent. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Um, so and if there aren't any other questions and um, if any of you have any other, anything else that you wanna add before we ask Evie to do a little guided meditation, just going back to taking care of ourselves like everyone really needs to be taking care of ourselves so take that five minutes for yourself if that's all you're going to do just it's okay you can do it <laughs> if you need permission we'll all give you permission to take that five minutes for yourself to breathe um so I, I i thank all of you for for being here today you've been all so wonderful and just it's such a pleasure for me to like talk to you my my picture froze uh of course in a weird face that i was making but anyway <laughs> can't be smiling all the time but <laughs> so anyway um but thank you thank you so so much um and and i love what you do and um and everyone out there who's listening if you know you're all therapeutic musicians too thank you for for caring so much and i think that's what we need it's all that caring and that heart in the world. So um, if you're all okay with the guided meditation, um, and Edie, if you're up for it, I'd love it. So, Sure. So um, I think what is appropriate for today is um, a practice called loving kindness. And we're going to focus on loving kindness for ourselves. And so arrange your body in a comfortable, upright posture, just coming to stillness, aligning your head and shoulders, and taking some breaths, placing your hands wherever it feels comfortable to place them, and closing your eyes or lowering your gaze, and just taking some 
deep, full breaths. Breathing in and breathing out. I'm taking a moment to scan the body for any tension or tightness, perhaps the feeling of clothes. Just noticing whatever there is to notice in this moment. So the breath is a trusty anchor, and we can continually come back to following the breath. If there's any time that we feel any tightness or tension, or perhaps experience any thoughts that are disturbing or emotions that are upsetting, always coming back to following the breath. Breathing in and breathing out. So one of my teachers, Jack Cornfield, suggests that we practice loving kindness for ourselves for every meditation we do for a year. But that's what we focus on is loving kindness for ourselves. Because if we can't really feel that for ourselves, we can't fully feel that for others. So there are some phrases that we'll just whisper to ourselves. And they may feel a little contrived or, or unnatural for you at first, but just lean into them. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe and protected. May I live with the ease of an open heart. Just offering these blessings to yourself and perhaps picturing yourself at an earlier time can be when you were younger, as a child, teenager, or whenever, even yesterday. It may be easier to offer these blessings to yourself. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe and protected. May I live with the ease of an open heart. Breathing in and breathing out, feeling the blessings move through your whole body. And bringing just the hint of a smile 
to your face as I wish these things for you. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be safe and protected. And may you live with the ease of an open heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for, for participating today and for that beautiful meditation. And um, for everyone uh, of our attendees, I hope, um, I hope you do something wonderful and kind for yourself today and all weekend and all year and, and also, um, and, and thank you again to the panelists. So um, thank you so much, Maureen. Thanks for listening to Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast.